take a classic or popular film and improvise right on the spot. Welcome to The Musical Virgin. I'm your host, Philip Lavis, and I'm joined today by Andrew Farmer. Hey, Philip, and everybody else. Hey! I've also got Zach Marsh on keys. I got Austin Welsh, our engineer. We don't have Hal today on drums. It's an unplugged musical Scaled version. Back. Scaled back. Smooth <laughs> and sultry. Just the hits. Uh, Andrew, it's such a pleasure to have you on the pod. Oh my gosh, I'm a big fan. I'm so thrilled to be here. Um, you and I know each other since uh, I was about nine. Uh, yeah, I think like 2002. Yeah, really long time. Yeah, that is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, but we're here today to do the musical version yeah. of Misery, Stephen King's uh, <laughs> that is correct. film. Um, and I had never seen it before. You were a longtime fan. Yeah, well, it's so funny. I don't know why y- you were like, it'll just be the two of us, so what's a good... And immediately I was like, Misery? And then I was like, oh, I haven't seen this movie in forever either. <laughs> yeah. um, but it just sounded like a good... I don't know, it's been in my mind lately. Yeah. yeah. Do, you know why? do you know why? I think, okay... I well, I'm a big I'm a big Kathy Bates fan. Um, I, I I'm a yes. You do a series of um, online videos of Anne Dowd correct. playing every every villain, every cinema villain. Yeah, and and Kathy Bates is very much in that sort of camp of Anne Dowd, Margot Martindale. They are sort of all part of the same team. I feel like in my mind, truly, all of those character actress women are yeah. <laughs> are inextricably connected to you, <laughs> not to each other. Yeah, I I You're do the feel link. I bear some past resemblance to all of them in, in one form or another um but yeah the, i think the reason i've been thinking about it is uh there I, I was just talking with a friend of mine there was a broadway version of it of with misery yeah with laurie metcalf and bruce willis did you hear about this <laughs> no i didn't and um and apparently laurie metcalf was amazing but like the <laughs> the rumor was and it turned out to be true that bruce willis was having his lines fed to him through an earpiece like he had never memorized the lines in this broadway show <laughs> Oh, and so for the God. show, there had to be like someone off stage saying them, um, which I just thought was such a funny thing. And I, I, um, God, that I'm, is so funny. And that's right. not an unknown thing on Broadway. No, where for film stars to have their lines fed to them, isn't that? Yeah, I guess it's like maybe one day we will both be in the position where we have that done, and then we'll be like, I totally get it now. I was very busy. I when <laughs> I am I going to memorize so, all these lines? Well, I was so busy when I going to memorize these lines. <laughs> it's just so funny because after every um, theater talk back in West Palm Beach, Florida, where oh, we yeah, grew yeah, up, yeah. Uh, there'd be one. Uh, old woman who would go, how did you memorize all those lines? I, I could never do it, yeah. And Bruce Willis would have to go, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, wouldn't that be funny if we did say that back then? Like, they're being fed to me through a earpiece <laughs> because I am a child celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, because I realized it didn't make sense, Andrew, Andrew and I went to the same middle and high school and yeah. uh, did plays together and things. Many, 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 many improv shows. I think I As think children. I met you because I got caught, like, I was in high school yeah. and a teacher called me to do a show for middle schoolers for like a middle school dance. Mm-hmm. And we did a show together, I feel like. That sounds right. I feel like that might have been how we <laughs> met, which is what a strange situation to throw you in as well. Like, here, improvise with these high schoolers with, with this, to, to me we're men yeah and you blew us out of the water so oh, like yeah such a stop. star Middle from day one blushing. everybody <laughs> um but uh, i'm a big fan of spooky scary things and misery was the first like psychological horror movie i ever yeah. saw 
and I, I think I was so young that I thought like horror movies have to have like monsters or some supernatural element. And I was like, well, what is it? Why does this make it a horror movie? And in my head, this movie used to be on the Superstation a lot. And in my head, I convinced myself like they're both ghosts, <laughs> which spoiler, they are not. They are living. They are living people. But yeah, it took me a while to be like, oh, no, psychological horror means like it's about the horror of relating to other people. <laughs> right. Yeah. But in your mind, there was a possibility that like a zombie might still yeah, make an appearance. I, at some point, right. Um, and yeah, so, and, but gentle, gentle listener, no. There, there is no supernatural element in this Stephen King story. It's just scary because sometimes fans and the pressure of, uh, of uh, like a writing history can be very frightening. Yeah. We travel now to a cabin in the woods, covered in snow, where a writer sits at a desk, tic-tacking away and finishing the final page of his manuscript. And then he pours a glass of champagne and lights a cigarette. Ah. This one's for me. Finally one for me. I've been doing it for the fans for so damn long But this one's for me I'm killing off my character Cause finally I'm gonna be free This one's for me He walks out into the snowy driveway and gets into a Mustang This car's for me Taking it back to my publisher For too long I was driving for other people But this car's for me I'm taking it straight back to New York Finally gonna be a literature star And soon live my whole life for me Live my whole life just for me the snow's coming down super hard and he begins losing control of his vehicle. This storm's not for me. Oh boy, I can tell that the storm's gonna get in my way. I should have chosen to finish my novel on a less inclement day. Left, right, turn, I turn, but in every single way that I go, I can tell this manuscript's gonna happen. The car flips over again and again and again and goes down a ravine. Smash! This one's not for, not for me. (coughs) And then we flash back to a trendy 1990 agency where a raspy-voiced but elegant-looking agent (laughs) named Marcia Sindel is talking to her client the driver we just saw, Paul Shelton. Paul, I'm so excited for this new book you've written. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, I have to tell you something, though. Um, I'm, I'm killing her off. What? But, but you sold millions of copies with the character Misery. I know, but somewhere along the line, she began to control me instead of me controlling her. I've had to do all these books... All these series of books when it's not what I'm really passionate about. Well, 
As long as you think it's worth it, you crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Marsha, you've been with me through thick and thin. You're so ready to support this just right out of the gate. You've made me a lot of money, honey. My whole scarf collection is thanks to you. <laughs> and, God, is it uh, complete. You have scarves in every color. Scarves in every color. Marsha. Why, I've got blue scarves, <laughs> green scarves, red scarves. That's it. Yeah. It's, it was a shorter song than I imagined. <laughs> right, well, because you only have three scarves. Mm -hmm. I, I'm looking to get a bigger collection. But the important thing is, this new book is going to be a big hit because it's for you. Right. Uh, Marsha, I noticed all your cars outside. Uh, why, oh. how, how many cars do you have? Cars, cars, cars galore. <laughs> I've got a white car, a black car, and that's all. Oh, you, you have two cars. Yeah, they look. They, it looks like more cars because they're they're big cars. Yes, yeah, a lot of windows. Yeah. <laughs> a black one and a white one. Yeah, but I'm thinking of getting a navy blue one. Okay, then it'll match your scarves. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> yes. I wonder if you're ever going to get out of that car crash, car, car, car crash, car, car crash, crash, car crash. <coughs> and in the snow, we see a figure dressed in red come and cr crook open the car with a, with a bar, a crowbar, and yes. open it, dragging him out into the snow. I'm your biggest fan. And she lifts him up and heaves him back over the snow and tundra back to her home. <sighs> Where am I? What is this? What's going on? Hi there. You took quite a spill. Hello. Hi. You've been asleep for two days. Two days? It's okay. I'm a nurse. Oh. My name's Annie Wilkes. Annie. And you're Paul Shelton. I know. Here. Take these. They're called Navril. They're Nav pain pills. Okay. Oh, they're putting them in my mouth. Uh. The snow's taken out the road and all the phone lines. But once they clear up, I'll get you to the hospital. In the meantime, I just want you to know... I'm your biggest fan. Your number one fan. I've read all your books, all eight misery novels. They give me hope, they give me romance, they make me want to get up off my seat and dance. I'm your number one fan, and you're my patient, my brilliant Little man. <sighs> this Annie seems so sweet, saving me in the dark. And she's here for me when my legs hurt a lot. I never knew this was part of my plan but I've been saved by the grace of my number one fan the legs are broken oh I set them myself oh. 
Shoulder dislocated, I put it back in place. I'm proud of the work I do. I've been a nurse a long, long time. Wow. And very rarely have I committed any crimes. That's a weird thing to say. I said it because I'm your number one. Very best till the end. Fame. I'll get you something to eat. Thanks. Days go by this way, her taking care of him, him slowly recovering. And finally, one day, she asks him a question Paul, when I saved you from that wreck, I. I couldn't help but notice that you have a new manuscript in your in your bag. Uh, yes. It's a new misery novel. Oh, I can't wait to read it. It, it Would it be possible? And I, I don't mean to make a big imposition, but could I give it a look? I'm sorry, Annie. Unfortunately, I have a rule that only my publisher can read my novel. But I'll, I do have this one exception for people that save me from a car crash. Oh, Paul. Sorry if I made you feel all oogie earlier. I'm just so honored to give it a read. And then flash back to that swanky 1990s agency office. Right back there. Where the raspy-voiced agent, Marcia Sindel, is calling the sheriff's department. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. I'm calling because, uh, and I probably sound crazy or something. I realize that. People say I'm crazy almost every day. You're crazy, and I don't even know you yet. He hung up. <laughs> bring, bring, bring. Hello? Yes, I'm calling back. You hung up on me. Oh, right, sorry. The phone is incredibly heavy, and my arm was getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, look, my writer hasn't come back. His name's Paul. <gasps> Paul, uh, what, uh, no, that's, that's your last name. It sure is. Um, Paul, Paul, the famous writer of Misery. Yes, yeah. exactly. He's missing, and, well, he was supposed to be back with our, his new manuscript yesterday, and I know there was that big snowstorm. Mm hmm Well, listen, ma'am, I know the big city writer types, and, uh... Who are you talking to, honey? <laughs> oh, that's my, that's my sassy old wife. Who the hell are you talking to, you Shh. rat bastard? Oh, my God, she's angry, and she's got a big rolling pin that sometimes we use for sex. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You always say that that's what keeps the spark in our marriage. That's what keeps the romance alive. Honey, this is a long-distance call. Don't hang up. Just let me talk off your ear. This is the way that we thrive. Uh, listen, uh, really, I, I feel like uh, I, I'm talking to this lady on the phone and then something's going, this might I'm not be... I'm throwing a... paper airplanes at your oh, head. Oh, God. Ooh, baby, you say in the dark, conflict is what gives our relationship sparks. You want to work and I want to play. We make fun of each other all the live long day. You gotta stop touching my leg. You gotta stop messing with my hair. You gotta stop putting tacks on my chair. That's not even a sexy thing, honey. It just makes me hurt. And frankly, babe, 
If honestly you're being super frank The sexiest thing of all is middle school style pranks I'm gonna put tacks under your chair Oh, is that a whoopee cushion over there? <laughs> oh my god! This is such an embarrassing thing to happen as I'm having a serious work-related phone call. Ooh, whenever we're together, it is such a lock. Conflict gives our relationship sparks. Anyway, ma'am, I'll check in on the hotel that he was staying at just to make sure everything's on the up and up. Thank you so much. I'm not crazy. <laughs> and we're back to Annie Wilkes' home. And as time is passing, Paul's beginning to get a little suspicious as to why, why he's not in the hospital yet. Annie, why am I not in the hospital yet? Oh, well, uh, the, uh, the road to town is, is, is all clear, but the road to the hospital's not. And um, my phone doesn't work, but the phone in town works. But don't worry, I called your agent and your daughter and everything's fine. And uh, the doctor says that you're all good. And so I can take care of you here until um, the roads are clear to the hospital. And then I'll take you there and, and that's where we'll set your leg. But for now, everything's fine and nothing's urgent. Okay. And I didn't commit any crimes. All right, that's the second time you said that. I know, which, you know, in the scheme of things, in several days, two times saying I didn't commit any crimes isn't it? That shocking of a thing, right? I guess so. It's just I almost never say it. Paul, I hate to talk business while I'm feeding you soup, but... <laughs> it's everywhere. I, I started reading your novel. Yeah. And, and you uh, have thoughts? Well, I mean, it's brilliant because you're brilliant. Everything's great, but uh, it's the language, Paul. What do you mean? The dirty words. Oh, Annie, you have to understand, these are... Street kids. I grew up in the street. This is how we talk. There's no dignity in swear words, Paul. Normal people don't talk like that. I don't go to the store and say, give me an effing bag of this or that. I don't say, how about a cocky duty? drink of gin I don't say stick it in because there's no dignity in swear words Paul there's no dignity in shit there's no dignity in boobies there's no dignity in it I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get upset. I I just, I don't like hearing swear words. And you're better than that. Well, I appreciate the input, Annie, but I think I'm probably going to have to keep it the way it is because it's my book, and I really feel like that's what makes sense in the book. Oh. Well, then I guess I'll just say whatever swear words I want. Like, oh, look at this Christing blanket. And look at these goddamn sheets. Huh? And look at your broken fuck legs. What? And look as I write some tweets. Not tweets. Fuck. You're burning me with the soup. Oh, I said fuck. You're crushing me 
Because that's how people talk now, right? Fuck, fuck, ah, fuck, ah, fuck, ow, fuck. You're crushing me, ow! Oh, Paul. I'm sorry. You made me do. We don't have to talk about it anymore. Okay. Well, I've been thinking about it, honey, and uh, I think I'm gonna check out some of those Paul Sheldon books. Oh, Lord, I don't even read that terrible stuff. What are you gonna cut? I put rose petals on the bed. What more do you need? Honey, I'm I'm reading a I'm sorry, I'm reading a misery book. I I don't have time for lovemaking. Oh god. Even your best middle school pranks couldn't get me in the mood tonight. Oh well, I guess I'll just mess with my messy desk and put up more signs that say uh, there's a sign behind me that says, um, a clean, organized desk is evidence of a sick mind. Uh-huh. Which what a strange gift to receive. Or maybe I bought it. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, Either way, keep messing with your clean or dirty desk. Oh, and did you talk to the hotel? Did they say that he left okay and that everything oh, was fine? I, I forgot to do that. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Excuse me. Hotel manager? Yes. Well, I'm here about Paul Sheldon. Did he check out of here? Why, he certainly did, sir. He comes here to finish all of his books. Right. And he checked out with really nothing. He ordered a glass of champagne, which he always does, and a cigarette. And he left and checked out, paid cash. And, um, and yeah, you know, sometimes writers are unpredictable. So, really, there's nothing to worry about, right? Well, well I certainly hope so. Scream! And then they're back on the road again. <laughs> I don't, you, the hotel guy said everything was fine. What are you worried? Why, wait, why I'm, are you pulling over? I'm pulling over because I don't trust that hotel guy. He reminds me of the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. I'm, I need to, I need to find this girl. And George- look up. I'm going to get down in the snow. I'm crawling down into the snow. Oh, just because there's a broken tree branch, for heaven's sakes. God, I'm looking around. I don't see anything. And, and you know why you think that guy sounds like the Mad Hatter? It's just because he always wears a huge hat that says, like, 10 over 6 or something. Well, yeah, to be, he dresses like the Mad Hatter. It is confusing. He's got a big checkered bow tie. It's weird. It's weird. But oh. I don't... Oh, you're falling through the snow, hon. Uh, 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 what's this? <gasps> It's a tire. No, wait. It's it's actually, no, no, it's not. We don't see that until later, I think. <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah, so come on back up here. I thought you said it's a tire, but I guess, what did you say? I said I'm tired of not sleeping in bed with you. All right, honey, let's go home. Thank you, dear. I'm starting to get a feeling in my mind. At first... I thought Annie was totally fine But as she reads my book, she's got notes And she's always jumping down my throat I think this place might not be exactly sublime Paul, meet my pig, his name's Misery Misery, the pig Everything's fine. I didn't commit crimes. I love you so much. I name my pig after your character. Paul, I have some more thoughts about misery. Misery. Not the pig, your book. I think it's fine, but I have thoughts. I'm starting to think 
In my mission I may have failed I thought this place was a paradise But I think that it might just be jail And Annie might be my jailer With her sick little device I don't need anyone to tell me twice I think that I might be in misery 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 Oh, what a cruel world I'm on the last chapter Misery 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 Stuck here with this girl Last page Misery Misery I'm almost done, Paul What? Misery Misery is dead You dirty birdie What? You killed my misery Well, calm down, Annie Don't be upset It's just, it had to happen It had to happen? She just slipped away from childbirth? Yes, she, she got sick. It happens sometimes. It happens sometimes? Not to my misery! And she takes a chair and she smashes it over his head. Oh, God! <coughs> I thought you were good. But you're just another dirty birdie. Just like all the rest. Like all the rest? I don't think I can see you for a while. She walks out into the cold in her nightgown gets in her truck and leaves Paul there all alone. But not before she turns back and says, and by the way, I never called the hospital what? or your agent what? or your daughter. What? Everybody thinks you're dead. What? So you better take good care of me because if anything happens to me, you're a toast. Misery. Okay, Paul, time for a plan. I've got pills under the bed. My legs are getting better. I can get in a chair. I can do this. You just need to do it before she gets back. So he scrambles out of bed in excruciating pain, and he starts to drag himself to the door. This used to be easy. Something I could do. Every step is excruciating Going what I'm going through Stumbling into the kitchen Wheels bounce on the stairs Looking out at these misery books Like a lair she's prepared And what do I see on the table? A scrapbook of memories she says she didn't commit any crimes But then what are all of these? Pages and pages of things that I see Crimes she committed down in history She was a bad person in the 70s I know that now I'm in misery Oh crap, she's coming back Dum, 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 dum. Oh no, I gotta get back in the bed, back in the bed. Oh, and he gets back in the bed just as she opens the door. Paul, <sighs> I'm sorry that I treated you so badly. I've realized that probably the reason I'm not more popular is because of my temper. <laughs> but I have an idea of how to fix everything. An idea of how to fix everything? What do you mean? She drags in Paul's manuscript inside of an outdoor grill. 
and she starts pouring lighter fluid in it. Uh, now, Annie, there's no need for this. There's really no need. Uh, I've made other copies of the manuscript, so... Oh, really? Uh-huh. Well, if it's only one of many copies, then it shouldn't bother you to light it on fire. Please, Annie. Annie, don't make me do this. I mean, I, I worked really hard on this book. She starts squirting the lighter fluid haphazardly on him. I mean, it would be such a shame to put something like this filth out into the world, especially if it's your last book. She hands him a match. He takes it, and he lights it. And he puts it on the, f on the manuscript. Yes. There you go, Annie. <laughs> and the ashes start flying everywhere in the room. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, fire. Oh, my. Oh, 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 all the fire. That, oh, it's hell. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh God heavens God. to Betsy. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, and then she drags it all the way out of the room, and <laughs> it takes a very long time for this to happen. Uh, and Paul falls asleep miserable. And the next morning, a, he is awoken by the sound of a a typewriter hitting a wooden table that's been set up. A little set-up folded wooden table. I made a studio for you, honey. What? You can write your next misery book right here. I don't... I don't want to write another misery book. Uh, oh, that would make me so upset, Paul, and I... I just don't know what'll happen if I get upset again. Come on, it'll be fun. The only problem is the typewriter I got doesn't have an N, but isn't that kind of fun? No N. No, I have to write a book with no N? A book with no Ns. <laughs> All right, uh, good God, let's see. Books with no Ns. Why a book with no N? Little women is little women. A book with no ends. A book with no ends. Harry Potter is Harry Potter. No ends. A book with no ends can be a lot of fun. A book with no ends can be read by anyone. A book with no ends. Like, think about, um, Treasure Island. Treasure Island. Robinson Crusoe. Oh, no. no. Robinson Crusoe. Or 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. The King, the King, and I. I guess that's a musical, but there's a book to a musical, and a book with no musical can also have no ends. Uh, a book with no ends. It's a book with no ends. And when books don't have ends, they don't have beginning. And they don't have ends. <laughs> See, we're having fun. You get to work. And we flash forward, and now we're in a helicopter. And the sheriff is looking around at all the things to see if he can find any sign of Paul's car. I know it's out here, helicopter uh, guy that runs it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, keep looking around. Turn it right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and now to the left. Oh, oh. God, I can't believe they let you drive a helicopter. I only drive well drunk. Well, my God, it, look look down there. <gasps> get, get down there. I see something. Oh, oh, oh. oh, you're bringing it down real fast. 
and he, and he climbs out of the helicopter and goes over and starts pulling away and reveals not someone tired, but a tire, a tire. and a whole car. And we fast forward to a press conference that is happening in front of the car being lifted on a crane. And it's some other sheriff, some other sheriff that it doesn't have a name. Uh, so clearly what happened is uh, Paul got into a car wreck. Uh, we're proceeding as though he's dead because uh, he could have never survived the elements. Uh, so we'll do a more extensive search for the body once the snow melts. Uh, so yeah, he's dead. Nothing to see here, folks. Just a dead famous author somewhere hidden in the snow. Excuse me, uh, Jenny Robertson from Channel 5 News. Hi, um, Jenny. Yeah, I just couldn't help but think, doesn't that seem like a really shallow way to end an investigation just by completely assuming that someone's dead despite there being no body? Listen, I was on vacation in Cocoa Beach, Florida when I got this call, so uh, I think I speak for all of us when I need to get back to Cocoa Beach. We're just going to wait till the snow thaws. Unless you want to get out there and search the snow yourself, Jenny, then uh, let the police do the police. Ding. Policing. Sorry, I I ended my sentence before I uh, thought. Sure. I, my head's back in Cocoa Beach. Bye, everybody. And we travel with him to Cocoa Beach. <laughs> Put down all your cop work. Hang out in Cocoa Beach. Anything can happen in Cocoa Beach. Anything can happen in Cocoa Beach. You could have a reasonably priced early dinner. In Cocoa Beach, you could see a street performer and not tip them. In Cocoa Beach, and you can leave behind a small town police investigation. And you can forget about everything happening at the station. Because anything can happen in Cocoa Beach. Anything can happen in Cocoa Beach. All your police problems are out of reach when you're in Cocoa Beach. And we cut back. But the sheriff of the town is not satisfied. And he's continuing to look at the car. And he notices something on the door. Honey, what are you noticing there on the door? What? He didn't get out of this car from the inside. It looks like it's been jammed open by some sort of pipe. Yes, someone saved Paul, but who? And if they saved Paul, why didn't they just come forward and tell us? Honey, I really don't feel comfortable that you're only wearing a robe out here in the middle of the snow in I'm front of all my coworkers. I'm trying to get you back in bed, baby. Is everything okay, Paul? You're, you seem listless. Uh, well, Annie, it's just that... This is the wrong kind of paper. What? But it's the most expensive kind. I know, but it smudges. Look, S-M-U-D-G-E, and then it smudges on the paper. Oh. Well, look at that. I guess you're right. We wouldn't want you to have any smudges, would we? No, exactly. I just want it to be good for you, Annie. I do everything for you, Paul. Annie, please. And it would be nice to have a little bit of appreciation. Annie. I'll go back to the store and get you the paper you want. But I'll tell you one thing. You better start treating me with some goddamn respect, you dirty birdie. Why do you call me a dirty birdie? Because cocksucker takes too long. And Annie, with that vicious one-liner, even Annie, though it's even though cocksucker is one syllable less than dirty birdie, <laughs> she heads right out the door. 
And Paul starts looking around. He, he looks around and he finds, he finds a, a telephone and he picks it up. He, he dials 911 and then he picks up the bottom of it and sees that the insides of it have been scooped out. It's a prop telephone. And as he's scrambling out of the room to see if he can find anything else, he knocks over a small ceramic penguin. But he catches it just before it hits the ground. And he puts it back in place. In the wrong, wrong direction. direction. And then we zoom in to the inner life of the little ceramic penguin. <sighs> My whole life was in one direction. I always knew where I was headed. Penguin college to a penguin job. Just what they say that I should be. But now my whole life's been turned in the opposite direction. What's the point of college if you can't even get a job? Now I'm stuck in the Arctic job marketplace, looking around like a swab. And all the other little figurines sing, swab, 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 swab. Well, You'll I... never get to where you want to go because you're faced in the wrong direction with no end. I thought I'd reach the end of the table, the goal of all penguin figurines. But now I know I'm facing the wrong direction. What does my life even mean? Swap, 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 swap. Are we saying swab? I've been saying squag the whole time, but I thought that's, I was saying, because I thought that's what you said. I thought you said no, swab. And they, and all the penguins knock each other off the table. They're so angry. And we zoom back out. You're back, Annie. Yeah. Oh, Paul, you look, your color is very hectic and you're perspirating. Uh, yeah. Well, I just couldn't wait for you to get back, Annie. Oh, I should give you your pills, shouldn't I? You poor thing. Thanks so much. I need I need the pills now, Annie. Right now. I just please oh. give me my pills. Oh, okay, okay. And she leaves, leaving a bobby pin on the floor. A bobby pin. And he scoops it up and he looks at it. He could use that as a key. Or he could use it in his hair. <gasps> the ultimate choice. <laughs> Hair or key, hair or key, which will it be, the hair or the key? On one hand, I've got to get out of this place, but on the other hand, my hair is always getting in my face. If I choose to use the key, I know what it could mean. Unfortunately, my bangs won't be nearly quite as clean. Hair or clean face. <laughs> no hair or key. I've got to get out of this place. So it's key or face. And then we zoom into the uh, 
the possible side effects of Novril and its confusing words in your head occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Which explains everything. Yes. Annie, I'm many pages into the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've been reading them, Paul, and they, they just don't work. Because, listen, in the last book, you killed Misery, and she's dead in her grave, and you can't just you can't just say that it was a mistaken identity or something. She's dead in her grave. You've got to figure out a way to get her out of the grave. Sorry, these just don't, won't work. I'm going to rip them up. You're saying they lack, like, logical consistency? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have a story to tell you. When I was a little girl back in California, okay. I would go to the chapter plays, also called serials. Uh-huh. They were short little movies in movie houses that ran like episodes with cliffhangers. Uh-huh. My very favorite one was called Rocket Man. Rocket Man, he can do anything good. Rocket Man can do things little Annie could and do. Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Rocket Man, he was put in a car. Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Rocket Man. But then he went on to go super far. He grew up to be Elton John. Elton John, the Rocket Man. I have a thing for piano players. We're probably gay. Elton John, Elton John, Liberace, Liberace. Um, that's kind of all I can think except Billy Joel. Billy Joel. That's a great example. Cause I think he's might be gay Even though he has a tough exterior I'm on a tangent about Billy Joel But the point is The narrative structure of the Rocketman movies was clear He was locked in a car And pushed off a cliff There was no way he could be saved And I was so upset And so excited To see what they would do in the next Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Rocket Man, I was first in line. And sure enough, they disregarded the narrative structure of the last episode. And there he was, free. And all the kids screamed because they were happy for Rocket Man, Rocket Man, Rocket Man, not. Me. And I said, are you all insane? He was clearly locked in the car. How could he get out? He was locked in the car. He's dead. He's burned up. He didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car. Okay, Annie. I'll rewrite it, okay? I'll rewrite it. Paul's my new rocket man. Well, hey there, Sheriff. Oh, hi there, Zeke, I think your name is, right? That's right, small town. Small town, a lot of Zeke's. Yeah. Uh, Do you you carry any more of those uh, misery novels here? Uh, Do I? Only they all get bought up by one woman. Oh, really? What's her name? Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes? Yeah, the whole town's always talking about Annie Wilkes. Oh, Annie Wilkes is that sweet lady uh, who lives down the road, kind of in isolation. Sure, sweet, quote-unquote. Oh, what have you heard about Annie Wilkes? Oh, you want to hear the rumor mill about Annie? Let's rev it up. I heard that Annie Wilkes has a little piece on the side. Get out of town. 
the piece is that she's reading Paul Sheldon. It's the only thing that keeps her alive. You're kidding. She's always coming in. Yeah, she seems so sweet. Always wants to give you a break. Oh, boy. But God help you when her temper goes up the moment that you make a goddamn mistake. Come to think of it, I've seen her yell at pedestrians, yell at drivers, yell at locals, yell at survivors, yell at gravestones, yell at squirrels, yell at the little girl who gives her hair a twirl. She's yelling at policemen and she's yelling at the bus. She's yelling at anybody who passes through us. She yells at sweet kids, she yells at creeps, and the rumor is she even yells in her sleep. Oh, she's a yelling lady, yelling lady, a yelling lady, a yelling lady. I think that yelling lady might be a little bit crazy. She's a yelling lady. That's what I heard. Have you also heard the rumor that she committed a bunch of crimes? Yeah, yeah, that she committed a bunch of crimes and then moved to this town, but she used to be a nurse. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll go to the library. Hello. Welcome to the library. Well, thank you so much. What a chipper librarian you are. Yes, nobody ever comes in, so I feel like I have to entertain myself. I feel like Belle in Beauty and the Beast, you know, like just reading books. Oh, my gosh. What a, what a delightful thing. You're even kind of dressed like Belle in a big yellow dress. Yeah, that's right. I wear a big yellow dress and I talk with a clock. <laughs> Listen, um, where would where would a nice old sheriff find periodicals about maybe nurses who've committed crimes? That's all we have. Really? Uh-huh. Wow, I'm in the right little library. You sure are. Now sit down, and I'm going to go talk to a candelabra. <laughs> hmm, let's see. She is talking to a candelabra. I wonder if there's something in the water in this town. <laughs> oh, look, Annie Wilkes. She's a nurse who killed a bunch of... Babies? And senior citizens? And other patients? And she she went to jail, I guess, but now she's out? Yeah, I'm reading over your shoulder. And... Oh, my God. <laughs> you just startled the hell out of me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It's just they don't talk back, so eventually I get bored. Hey, this quote right here. Um, there is a higher justice than that of man, and I'll only let him judge me. Oh, that's classic Paul Sheldon. Really? Huh? Yeah. You're right. In I, fact, I wrote that down on a post-it earlier. Well, there's now there's two places you're receiving the same information. Tale as old as time. Librarian as old as rhyme. I will catch that nurse. Barely even friends We just met today Working to solve crimes Using all our time In the library Do we decimal drawers and shackles Oh, we're meant to be My wife can't know I'm here What uh, was happen. your name again? I never said Oh, It's Belle 
did you change that, or was that just a coincidence? I changed my name. It used to be Robert. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yes. But anyway, um, I do feel like we've connected, and I am in a meaningful relationship with my wife, but thank you so much for helping me solve this crime. Uh, maybe if things don't work out with Virginia and me, we can grab a, some gray stuff. <laughs> That's from the movie, you remember? Yes, I'd like that. But I don't want to get in the way of a, a perfectly good marriage. I'm still waiting for my beast. Sheriff and the bell. And the sheriff walks up to Annie Wilkes's door, come, first driving up, and Annie sees that he's coming and runs to his room and administers a paralytic. She knocks him down the stairs into a down the stairs you go. He tumbles, he tumbles, he tumbles. And he lands on the floor of the basement. Is anyone in there? Uh, hello. Yes, welcome. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, you, uh, you didn't happen to see Paul Sheldon come through here, did you? Paul Sheldon? Well, I love him. I thought he was dead because of all the news that we saw. You wouldn't do anything to hurt Paul Sheldon, would you? My God, no. Flashback. I know you've been out of your room, Paul. And um, I'm going to have to punish you. Punish? No, please, Annie, you don't have to punish no, me. No, no, it's okay. I know you're going to try to get out of here. Uh, and uh, have you ever heard of a little thing called hobbling? Is that like Calvin and Hobbes? There's a superstition, a tradition in diamond mines. They call it hobbling to stop people from committing crimes. They knock your legs, knock them in half with a big old block and a sledgehammer. And Paul, that's just what I'm gonna do to you. Hobble, 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 Flash forward. No, I'd never do anything to hurt Paul. Um, why don't you come in and take a look and we'll just talk talk all about him. All right, well, that sounds pretty good to me. I notice you have all his books here. Yes, I know uh, this is going to sound silly, but when Paul died, God said to me that, uh, that um, I, I would replace him, that he wrote a new book and that I could be the new Paul. So can you explain that uh, manus this manuscript here and these pages? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I wrote this, and I know his voice really well. Um, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go uh, get a big gun. I mean, I'm going to go get some cocoa for you. Uh, uh, okay, I love cocoa. Help! Huh? Help! And the sheriff runs to the door where he opens it, and at the bottom he sees Paul, and he goes, Paul? And then, bam! <laughs> his just whole front it just explodes with shotgun shell, and Annie's up there. And he falls down the stairs. And his all hope is lost. And Annie says, Paul, I think um, I think we're just going to have to kill ourselves. What? Yeah. So I think this it just makes sense. Come on up here. Um, I'll, I have two bullets left in this gun. I'll kill you, and then I'll kill me, and it'll be beautiful. Oh, right? This will all be fine. <laughs> oh, God. Annie, wait. Yes? You can't kill me yet, Annie. Why not? Because I haven't finished the book. <gasps> oh, well, uh, and I'm so close, Annie. Okay, we'll finish it real fast, and um, and then we'll I'll shoot you later. Well, there's something I'm gonna need, Annie. What's that? Come on, Annie. You know me. <sighs> what do I need every time I finish a book? A match, a cigarette, and a glass of champagne. Cause you're superstitious. That's right. Oh, Paul, this is gonna be so beautiful. Misery, misery will be ours to share with the world. Yeah. 
It's gonna be so great. Okay. I, I can't so wait. You finish it, and then I'll be right back, and, and um, we'll have, like, a beautiful little send-off before we kill ourselves. Great. Just what I want, too. Great. And night descends, and Paul sits there finishing the book. And then Annie walks in with a cigarette, a match, and a glass of champagne. Annie. Um, yes? We're gonna need two glasses. Oh, Paul! And she runs out, and as she runs out, Paul prepares something. Yeah, he, like, crumples up a sheet of paper, and he uh, lights it on fire and puts lighter fluid on yes, the yes, other pages. Yes, and, and then, then Annie comes back in. Paul, I just... <gasps> what are you doing? I'm doing what I wish I could have done this whole time. Oh. Here's your novel. No. And he throws it on the ground, and it lights on fire. No, not my misery. Misery. And she dives misery. to the floor. Paul picks up the typewriter and slams it on her head. Ugh. And she catches on fire, and she's struggling, and Paul jumps and off, and they're wrestling and shoving each other. Not my misery. Yes, yes, you How could you? You're a dirty birdie, not my misery. Misery. Not my misery. And Paul bashes her over the head again, and they're struggling and struggling, and then she falls and she hits her head on the side of the typewriter, and it looks like she's dead. But Paul keeps crawling, 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 crawling towards the, the door. door. Towards the door, and he thinks he's out, and he's making it out, and then she... Jumps out on him and she's misery. And finally, in a real twist that doesn't have much to do with anything else, he grabs a statue of a pig and he hits her in the face with it. And at long last, the light leaves her eyes and she dies, but not before, saying, I'm your number one My rocket, rocket man. We cut way forward, a year. Paul Sheldon, his leg broken and on crutches, but alive, goes into a fancy New York restaurant and sits down with his crazy... I got a new scarf, Paul. Did you notice? You look great. Listen, I know this is a little bit of a faux pas, but have you ever thought of writing a book about your experience with Annie? Wow, if I didn't know any better, I'd think that you as my publisher were asking me to make a buck off the worst period of time in my life. <laughs> oh, Paul, I would absolutely do that. But uh, have you recovered since then? Does anything strange ever happen? Well... I guess the strangest thing that happens is... Well, if I can be honest... Please do. Every once in a while, in any place, I'll be looking around and suddenly see Annie's face. Hi, Paul. It's me, and me, and, and me, me, and me, 
And it feels like she haunts where I go. The best publisher I ever had, though no one needs to know. This one's for them. This one's for Annie. This one's for Over here, with Paul, I'm over here too. Number one fan, number one, number one, number one fan. She haunts my dreams like a demon you just can't rid. You can't escape me, Paul, not even with rid the spray. Yeah, rid the spray that gets rid of bugs that would not do. Cause Annie's everywhere, in every page, every bit of prose I do. Annie, Annie, Annie this one's for Annie, this one's for you. Excuse me, uh, are you Paul? I am. I'm a waiter at this restaurant, and I just had to say, uh, I, I'm your, your number one, number one fan. That's real nice of you. Thanks. That was Misery. Misery, the musical, starring, who were they? Bruce Cab. And Bruce Willis threw an earpiece. That, the reason why it seemed like he didn't know his lines is because, not because we were improvising, but because he was getting them fed to him. Yeah, and this whole time, if I ever, like, stumbled over words or something, it's because I'm getting earpieces in through Bruce Willis, who's telling me what to say <laughs> in a sudden turn of events. Yeah, me and Andrew are both having this fed into us from yeah. our interns. Yeah, Bruce Willis is both of our interns. Andrew, thank you so much oh, for doing thanks this. For, thanks for having me. Uh, Andrew, if people want to stay in touch with you or stay up with what you're doing, where can they find you? Sure, uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at That's a Jelly. And I host a spooky podcast about scary stories with my friend Anna Dresden called Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod. Yes, check out Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod. It's an excellent podcast that I love. And you can, uh, they're so fun together and they tell all sorts of spooky stories. Uh, but not misery. No. This um, was so much fun, Philip. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, people out there, thank you so much for listening. If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe, rate, and tell a friend about the pod. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Also, this is a heads up that in January, we don't have all the details yet, but there are going to be some the musical version live shows. Uh, so I'll have more dates about those as they come up. But if you're in Los Angeles in January, get ready to get out there. <laughs> get ready to get out get there. Get ready to get out there. You couldn't have enough notice. It's in the new year. Clear your damn month. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Goodbye! Bye!